Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Next Level Christianity series, which walks through the book of Philippians, seeing how God wants us to grow to the next level. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Philippians chapter 2 tonight, we're coming back into our series. Uh, The series is Next Level Christianity. Next Level Christianity, and... When you look at this series of Next Level Christianity, what we've been trying to understand is, uh, of course, Paul, he wrote the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. Uh, He spent a lot of time in the church at Philippi. You can go to Acts chapter number 16 and discover everything that took place uh, while Paul was there. While he was there in Philippi, of course, uh, we remember he got arrested, he got persecuted there. But uh, when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he was actually in a jail cell in Rome. Now, that is very interesting to me because much of the book of Philippians highlights joy. And Paul, I mean, he's writing, literally doesn't know if he's going to uh, make it out of this jail cell alive. He doesn't know if he's going to give his life for the faith. And yet, in these moments, he's writing about joy. He's writing about being uh, thankful for the Lord and thankful for what God is doing. And he has this burden, though. The burden is to write back to the, the church at Philippi. He's received word that, uh, that they perhaps are discouraged and going through some challenges. And as he writes back to them, uh, he, he wants them to understand a simple truth. That as long as you're alive, God's not done with you. As long as you're alive, God has more growth for you. And he said it this way at the beginning of his letter in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, where he said, uh, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, God is always working in you. And what a great truth for us to know. Because I feel like sometimes in your life and my life, we can, we can lean to believe that God isn't working. We can lean to believe that maybe things aren't, aren't happening in our life like we plan out. And no doubt the church at Philippi, believers were struggling with that and they were dealing with that. And as they were dealing with that, Paul writes back and says, hey, 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 don't let the devil lie to you. God is always working. He's always working behind the scenes. He's always in control. And no matter what's going on, God is using circumstances to help you become more like Christ. And so he writes to them that you and I can continue growing. That's why we've titled it Next Level Christianity. There's a next level for me to excel to or move to or grow to in my Christian life. A few things that we've learned about next level Christianity. We saw that next level Christianity sees the sun in the midst of the storm. Man, next level Christianity is something that sees positive in the midst of negative. Man, there, there Paul is sitting in a jail cell, and yet in the first parts, he writes, hey, listen, I'm here in a jail cell, but I praise God that Jesus is being preached. There's people trying to do me harm, but I praise God that lives are being changed. And he just, he saw the positive through the negative. And that's a a healthy lesson for every one of us to learn. There's a lot of negativity in this world. It's wise for a Christian who's growing in the Lord. A Christian who's growing is going to say, I can see the positive even in the negative. Another lesson that we learned is living every day in such a way that it would be easy to identify you as a Christian. 
That's actually one of the themes, and we're going to see it again today, so I won't talk much about it, but as a believer of Jesus Christ, we are called to reflect Christ and how we travel through life each and every day is a reflection of where our heart is, and, and Paul would write about that. Paul would also encourage them to understand that next-level Christianity uh, desires to focus upon unity. It desires not only to be at peace with people, but to be walking in peace with God and having that unity of a same goal, of a same mind, striving together with one faith for the gospel. Uh, uh, Next-level Christianity focuses on unity. It focuses on others, focuses on humility, and then we learned last week that it focuses on exalting Jesus Christ. And so Paul, he really just writes to help them understand, I want you, I want you to realize that God's not done with you. So keep growing, and here's some ways you can keep growing. Tonight, the very simple lesson that we're going to understand, it it goes along with the statement, maybe you've heard it, of living in the shadows. You ever heard that? Someone's, oh, well, they're just living in the shadows. Well, that person, they just kind of go through life in the shadows. When you heard that statement, maybe you heard it growing up and you were curious, maybe your grandpa or your mom or your aunt or somebody would say that, and you wonder, what does it mean? The phrase living in the shadows, it just means, hey, they're kind of going through life unnoticed. Hey, they're kind of going through life in the, in the side of the room. They're never in the forefront, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, not wanting the, the spotlight or whatever the case may be, but while there are some people who desire to live in the shadows, there are some folks that say, man, I just, I never want people to notice me. I want to be that guy that slips in, slips out, never gets noticed. The fact of the matter is a Christian, a child of God, spiritually should not desire to live in the shadows. And this is what Paul is going to write about. Hey, don't live your Christian life in the shadows. Don't be ashamed of being a follower of God. I believe this is what Paul is writing about when we come to this passage. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. We'll begin reading in verse number 12. I'll let you remain seated tonight. Paul writes this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shines as light in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy, do ye joy and rejoice with me. Again, what we're going to see tonight is this simple thought that next-level Christianity doesn't live in the shadows. It's an instruction, I believe, that Paul gave through, or that God gave through Paul to the church at Philippi and to you and I tonight, that a Christian who's growing in the Lord is not going to be ashamed. Let's pray and ask God to help our time tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a moment and just commit to ask God to speak to you And commit to the Lord that as he speaks, that you're listening to him. 
Dear Lord, we want to come before you tonight. And God, we want to say that we love you. And we're humbled and thankful to be at church and to be in your presence tonight and to to meet with you. So Lord, I pray that as we go through the service tonight, God, I pray that you'd capture our attention. I pray that you'd help us to hear from you. I pray that you'd challenge us from your word. I pray, God, that you would uh, use the message tonight to help every single person that's here or online. God, that we would be challenged to not be ashamed of the faith that we have and not be ashamed of our Christian life. Lord, I pray that as we work through the message tonight, that you would bring clarity. I pray that you'd be with my mind tonight. Lord, I just humble my heart to you, and I recognize, God, that I need you, and I have nothing to offer except for that which you give through me. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to me and speak through me tonight. We love you, God, and we thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to the passage tonight, I really want to start... Uh, by clarifying one phrase that is going to help everything for the night. In order to clarify this, we've got to remember who Paul is writing to. If you were to go back to the beginning of the book of Philippians, you would discover, and I would discover, that Paul writes to the saints that are at Philippi. The saints at Philippi would be the, the believers of the church of Philippi. These people are already saved. They already know the Lord. And he's writing, again, to encourage them in their faith. Now, the question then comes, again, uh, remember, and we say this often at church, context matters. And so the, the question then comes, why was Paul trying to write to encourage them? I want us to uh, recap, if we can, what took place when Paul was in Philippi in Acts chapter number 16. If you go there, you can take time and, and do this maybe on your own study, that on your own time, that would be great. But Acts chapter 16, Paul goes into Philippi, he's beginning to preach Christ, and him and Silas, they're arrested and they're thrown in jail. During that time in jail, it's the famous passage where at midnight they sang and praised God and they prayed, and at midnight the chains fell off and the doors were opened, and uh, man, that jailer woke up and, and uh, thought they all were dead, and, and Paul said, sir, do yourself no harm, we're all here, and the famous question from that, from that, from that Philippian jailer was asked, what must I do to be saved? And man, Paul began to share Christ with him, and that man trusted Christ, and they went to his house, and everyone in his house trusted Christ, and they were baptized, and man, uh, God was working in a great way. Well, the interesting part of, part of the story is the, the Philippian jailer, the passage would lead us to believe he took them back into the jail, because the next day they said, uh, hey, they're the, the uh, um, religious leaders, they're going to let you guys go. And Paul and Silas said, no, they, they rebuked us openly. They're not going to just push us out in secret. They're going to do it openly because they understand that we being Roman citizens, they were wrong to do this. And so uh, it's kind of, they have to, the religious leaders have to kind of eat what they did and, and it's put, put before them that they were wrong. And so Paul and Silas, they're let out openly and man, they went, they rejoiced with the church and really just some great things took place. But what we have to know tonight for our passage is understand the truth that I don't believe persecution stopped when Paul left. I don't believe that the Christians in Philippi just kind of had an easy going after that. 
We have to know that the religious leaders, they would be probably a little vindictive after Paul and Silas would leave. And and we can know from history that persecution would continue uh, throughout much of the region and perhaps in Philippi. And so these believers at Philippi, they're probably being challenged emotionally because they're under attack physically and they're facing persecution. So that's one of the reasons they would need encouragement. Another reason we know from the book of Philippians that they needed encouragement is because they heard that Paul had now been arrested again and he was in jail in Rome. And here's their, um, their spiritual father, if you will, someone who kind of mentored them in the faith, whom they look up to in a great way. And now they don't know if he's going to make it out. He doesn't know if he's going to make it out. And so they're discouraged. And so Paul writes back to discourage the believers in their faith and encourage them in their walk. And so knowing all of that then, we have to come back to the phrase that I want to explain. The phrase I want to explain is in verse number 12, where Paul writes this, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Now, many people, again, remember, context matters. Many people like to take this phrase and they like to say, see, you have to work for salvation. But that's not what it says, nor is it what the context leans to help it mean. It doesn't say work for your own salvation. It says work out your own salvation. Well, we've got to understand some definitions. What does the word work out mean, that phrase? In the Greek, it means to accomplish, to perform, or to live. As Paul writes back to them, this church of Philippi, he writes to them, hey, when I was there, verse number 12, he says, hey, when I was there, you obeyed, but not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, I am encouraging you to live out your salvation. Hey, live out your salvation. What is he saying? He's saying, don't live in the shadows. He's saying, hey, keep living your salvation on a daily basis. Don't go into hiding. Don't get discouraged and fall back and cower in the face of challenges. Instead, work out your own salvation. Live out your own salvation. Accomplish your own salvation. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? It means don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of being a follower of Christ. Work out your own salvation. Live it out. Live it bold. I know you're being persecuted. I know you're being challenged, but work out your own salvation. Live out your salvation. Let it be something that uh, completely defines your life. He's basically saying you are saved, so be bold in living like it. I think tonight that this is a great challenge for Moses Lake Baptist Church and every Christian that would live in Moses Lake during our time. It's not only a great message for the church at Philippi, but I believe it's a great truth that every one of us need to hear tonight to live out our salvation. But I want to answer really three thoughts or give you three thoughts tonight. The first I want to give you is why, why we live out our salvation, why we shouldn't be ashamed to be a child of God. As we come to the passage, we see verse number 12 beginning with the word, wherefore. The word wherefore, again, it means because of, because of, hey, because of the preceding thoughts, I'm going to give you a truth. 
Well, it's connecting the preceding thoughts with the current thought of live out your salvation. So what are the thoughts before it? Skip back all the way to verse number five. Excuse me, verse number five, we read these words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of his humility, because of the cross, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is the wherefore there? Therefore, in verse number 12, he is simply saying, hey, because of who Jesus is and because of the glory that is due to his name and because of his humility and his death and his burial and his resurrection, because of Jesus following through with his promise and giving you eternal life and because he is the glorified son of God, don't be ashamed of him. That's what he's getting at. Why, why should I or why can I live out my salvation? He's simply saying because of who Jesus is and the glory he will receive, because of that, live out your salvation. You say, well, pastor, why would this encourage them? Well, I want us to know this evening that it would encourage them the same way it would encourage us because we're not just serving some little G God. We're not just following some, uh, some religion out there that we wonder if it's correct. We're not uh, coming to the place where we say, well, you know, this kind of looks handy, so I'm going to follow this. We have to know tonight that biblical Christianity completely contradicts what you and I think. Because you and I think the way, humanly, the way we think is I should be able to do something to justify myself before God. And yet God comes and says, no, you cannot do anything to obtain acceptance before God except by receiving Jesus Christ into your life. You don't do anything. It's about what Jesus has already done. That's contradictory to what you and I think. And my friend, you and I are not serving some religion that tells us do and don't and do and don't. No, we are serving the King of Kings. We have, we have eternal life because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for us and he humbled himself and now Jesus has exalted and given a name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, everyone will confess someday. It is not some little G God that we are serving. No, we serve and we follow and we have faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So why can I live out my salvation? Why can I not be ashamed to be a Christian? Because it's real, it's true, God is holy, God is right, and he is the one that we are serving. Man, that is the reason that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and said, wherefore, because of this, since he is exalted... Live out your own salvation. Because of who he is, don't hide in the shadows. Man, what a great truth for us tonight. What a great truth for us in the year 2020. This is something that every follower needs to hear because sometimes it may not be culturally popular and acceptable to be a child of God, but if you know who he is, 
that he is the Savior and that he is all of those things that Isaiah lists out, the everlasting God and the mighty Father and the Prince of Peace. And he is not just some figment of an imagination. He is not just something that somebody dreamt up. No, one day, everybody will know who Jesus Christ is. And you and I have opportunity before that day to lift him up and to glorify him. That's what Paul is writing. Hey, since you already know who he is, don't live in the shadows. Don't live your Christian life in the shadows. Live as a child of the king. Demonstrate your salvation in every area of life. Why? Because of who he is. Man, because of who he is. Can I tell you, that that can bring some encouragement. And really, it can bring some courage to anyone who's thinking about it. Because as I stated a moment ago, we are living in a culture, and my friend, it is not going to get better. A lot of people, well, well, no, if, 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 if this person gets elected or this person gets elected, it's going to get better. Listen, it's not going to get better. The book of Timothy says that men are just going to wax worse and worse. Things are just going to get, pastor, I came to church to get encouraged, and you're telling me everything's going to get worse? Don't you know this is 2020? How can it get much worse? Listen, things are going to get much worse, but for the child of God, even though things are getting worse, hey, I'm I'm a child of the king of kings. You know what that means? Man, once I'm saved, get this, once I'm saved, living life upon this earth is the worst that it's ever going to be for me. It's the worst it's ever going to be for me. I don't have to, I'm not going to hell. I don't have to pay for my own sin. Why? Because Jesus did it. And so now I can wake up tomorrow on Monday and maybe that coworker, or maybe that friend or maybe that loved one uh, is going to kind of have a little animosity toward me because of being a Christian. It's okay. Why? Because I'm a child of God. It doesn't matter what somebody thinks or what somebody says. I'm a child of God. That's what Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. He's saying, hey, wherefore, because of who he is and because that he is exalted and given a name above every name and because every knee will bow and every tongue, hey, everybody one day will recognize who he is. Because of that, live out your salvation. Live it out every day. Why should I live out my salvation? Why should I not hide in the shadows as a Christian? Because of who Jesus is. I want you to notice, secondly with me, the way we live out our salvation. How, how should we live out our salvation? Paul gives it to us in three very quick thoughts. He says, live it out with fear and trembling. Live out your salvation, demonstrate your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, at first glance, if you read these words, somebody could think that Paul is telling the believer to live their Christianity in fear, like being scared. But Paul could hardly be encouraging the believers to live in a continuous condition of nervousness and anxiety and fear because that would contradict his many other encouragements that he writes about having a peace of mind or having courage or confidence in God who authors salvation. So we know he's not saying, hey, be scared as you live out your salvation. Here's what the word fear means in this passage. The word fear, it means reverence or respect. Reverence or respect. Paul used the same phrase, fear and trembling, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 when he refers to Titus as being encouraged by the 
church of Corinth's reception of him with fear and trembling or with great humility and great respect. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul himself came to the church at Corinth in weakness and fear with much trembling. You know what Paul is saying in this passage then? He's saying when you live out your salvation, live it out with reverence or respect. And then we read the verse or the word trembling. The word trembling here, it could mean a couple of things, but based upon the context, I believe it's referring to weakness under pressure. Weakness under pressure. I don't lift much weights, but I work out each week, a few times a week, and, and try to lift weights. And again, I'm not this guy that's, you know, I know you would think I am. I know you would, I know you would think it, but I don't lift a lot. But you know what? There are some things that you can be lifting. If you've ever weight lifted before, then you know that when you're doing something that your muscles are struggling to do, your, your muscles sometimes, they tremble. Why? It's because of the pressure of that weight. And that weight being upon you, maybe it's a bench press and you're laying down and I've got the boys benching now. And, and uh, Micah, I had him the other day, I think he was benching, I don't know, 65 or 80 pounds, 65, 75, somewhere in there. And uh, man, that little Micah, you know, he's pushing that up and, and he's just pushing and his arms are just shaking. And he's just going, you know, why was he shaking? He's trembling underneath the pressure. You know what? When you look at living out your salvation with fear and trembling, here's what Paul is helping us understand. You need to live out your salvation with reverence and realize that that living out your salvation, it's a lot of weight. You say, what does that mean? How do I live out my salvation with reverence and feeling the pressure? Go to the next verse. What's the next verse say? It says, for or because. Because it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What, 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 is, what is Paul writing about? He's saying you need to go through life living out your salvation with fear and trembling, but with his power. You see, fear and trembling says I have a reverence and respect for God. I'm under pressure, but I realize, I realize I'm not the one who has to do the weightlifting. I'm not the one who the pressure falls on. When I, when I live out my salvation with fear and trembling, I'm, I'm recognizing I can't do this but he can because it is him. It is God who gives us the power both to will. That means the desire. God gives you the desire to live for him and then God gives you the ability to follow through with that. That's verse 13. God's power is available to you and to me. And you know what religion says? Religion says that your Christianity is dependent upon how strong of a Christian you are. But biblical Christianity says your Christianity is dependent upon how strong your God is. 
And for you and I to go through life living out salvation with reverence and trembling, it's reverence and understanding I can't do this, but I have a God within me that can. What a great truth. How can I live out my salvation? Paul writes, hey, live it out with fear and trembling, but live it out with his power. Recognize that you can't, but God can. It is God who empowers you. It is God who uh, helps you to continuously live out and accomplish that which is, uh, we are uh, unable to do, and he does it with his supernatural power. See, what Paul is saying is live out your salvation with fear and weakness, realizing that God has the power. How else should we live out our salvation? This is a hard one without complaining and arguing. (laughs) Man, do all things, verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Live out your salvation without complaining and arguing. That's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, that's pretty clear. But the truth is that we can go through this life with a lot of complaining. (laughs) And Paul says, hey, Hey, live out your salvation without complaining and without arguing. I think we could spend some time talking about this, but I just want to simply say that a Christian should not be known for their complaining and their arguing. If I'm going to be a Christian who's living out my Christianity not in the shadows, then I need to be one who maybe will give people the benefit of the doubt. I need to be one who maybe freely offers forgiveness. I need to be one who maybe goes through my day instead of looking for the negative, looking for the positive. You see, we can so often think that we deserve better, and so we complain about our circumstances. We can think that we deserve to be treated better, and so we can argue with people. And this is not referring to, uh, it's not referring to just standing for truth in the sense of not arguing. It's referring to arguing with other believers and having my right and my way. And the truth is that when we live out our salvation, when we are putting our feet to the Christian life, we do it with a good attitude and a respect for others. Man, living out salvation without complaining, without arguing. I think we could give really just a message right there. I could get up and say, hey, let's live this week without complaining and arguing, and let's make a decision on that, and every one of us can make a decision. Man, God, help me this week to to not complain through my week. Help me this week to not be bickering with people around me and in my family. Why? Because I want to be a Christian who's not living in the shadows. And a Christian who's not living in the shadows is going to live out their salvation without, or with fear and trembling, with the ability and the help, the empowerment of God, and then without complaining and arguing. But notice lastly with me tonight, we, we notice why we live out our salvation. We notice the way that we live out our salvation. But notice with me thirdly the worth of living out our salvation. The worth of living out our salvation. What's, what's some blessings of living out our salvation. Look with me at verse number 15. Philippians 2, verse 15, down through verse number 18, we read these words, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shines, ye shine as lights in the world. 
holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye and rejoice, or do ye joy and rejoice with me. Simply put, here's what Paul is saying. When we live out our salvation, we are easily identified as children of God, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. He's saying, hey, when you do this, you are doing it so that you can be identified as a child of God. And here's just four quick thoughts. When we live out our salvation, we are easily identified as children of God. We are light in darkness. Listen, he said you're living in a crooked and perverse nation. That could be very applicable to them living under the Roman Empire, but it can be applicable to any day and age is perverse and crooked and against God. Culture is always going to go against God. And you and I, we are light in the, we are light in the darkness. And when you determine and I determine not to live our Christianity in the shadows, Jesus says you are light to this world. What else am I doing? You are lifting up his word. You're holding forth the word of life. Man, people are going to be identifying you as a Christian and recognizing that you and I, we have something that they do not. And you know what? You know what? People are drawn to light and people are drawn to truth. It really is true. People are drawn to light. People are drawn to truth. And when you and I choose not to live in the shadows, we lift up his word. And then he says in verse 17 and verse number 18 that we bring rejoicing. What Paul is saying in verse 17, I wish I had time we could just expound upon all these thoughts, but we don't. He's simply saying, if I'm offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, basically, hey, if I've given my life and you get this and you grow, I joy and rejoice with you. And I know I haven't labored in vain. As a matter of fact, you bring rejoicing in your own life when you choose to live out your salvation. I don't, know, I don't know about your thoughts regarding Philippians, but I know that as I read these verses, I honestly read them with a little bit of amazement because Paul's sitting in a jail cell. And you know what he says? Hey, if I hear that you're living for God, I rejoice. It brings joy in my life. If I'm writing this, I'm like, hey, if you'll come bust me out of here, I'll rejoice. I'll joy with you. But Paul's not writing that. He says, if you live out your salvation, you're gonna be easily identified as a son of God, blameless and harmless without rebuke. If you live out your salvation, you are living as light in darkness. If you live out your salvation, you're holding forth the word of life and you cause great rejoicing in my life and in your life. And the same is true for you and I today. In 2020, to the church at Moses Lake, man, when we live out our salvation, these truths could be said of us. What a testimony. What a testimony of an effect that we can have on people and those around us when a child of God lives our Christianity not in the shadows. You see, tonight I really could just summarize these verses by simply saying, Living out our Christianity every day, living as a child of God, 
it is totally worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because look at who you're serving. Look at who I'm identified with. He's the king of kings that every knee and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow before. How do I do it? Man, I can do it with reverence and weakness, knowing that it's not me, but it's fully him. And when I do it, when I live out my salvation, when I'm unashamed to be a child of God, and these truths could be said of me. I want to encourage you tonight, live your Christianity for anyone to see. Man, live it out. Next level Christianity doesn't live in the shadows. Ask the Lord tonight to help you live out your salvation. Ask God tonight to help you have courage to, uh, courage and wisdom to live as a child of God this week. Ask him to help you as a mom or a dad to be the Christ-like example in the home. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom to be a Christ-like social media user. Make the, the decision that this week you're gonna go uh, through the community and, and as you go through the community, you're not ashamed to point to the Lord and your relationship with him. Maybe ask the Lord tonight to help you just reflect him in your attitude. And in how you respond to people and in people who maybe would get on your nerves this week, I'm going to go through it without complaining and without arguing. The truth is tonight that being a Christ-like follower is a decision that every one of us must make each and every day. Man, being a Christ-like follower is something that every one of us have to wake up and say, today I choose to either live my Christian life in the shadows or I choose to live it for everyone to see. I'm not living it for people. I'm just not ashamed to live it before people. Next level Christianity doesn't live in the shadows. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.